We had a few audio issues while recording this episode, but if you stick with it, you'll see that there are some great takeaways. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Tracy Wallace to the show. Tracy is a justice warrior, which I love already, environmental, social, and economic, who believes that access and equity are the cures to poverty. With tenacity and passion, Tracy works to connect those with the greatest need of employment to employers in the rapidly growing solar industry. Tracy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Raj. How are you? Tracy, I'm doing wonderful. And I have to start with Justice Warrior. I like that so much. Is that your nickname? Uh, That's just the quickest way to describe how I feel and and who I am. Well, usually I kick things off with something interesting about you, but I'd like to dig deeper on the Justice Warrior piece. How long have you been a Justice Warrior? Really, my whole life. It's something I just, I cannot not be that way. And like, did something cause that? Was there an impetus? Was there a significant turning point? I really have no idea. I was this way if something happened between my siblings that was unfair. <laughs> I mean, it goes that far back. So wow. it's just that fairness has uh, always been very important to me. And what did your parents do to encourage that or keep that about you? I come from a long line of Methodists, and it's kind of the basis with John Wesley. And um, I would say that it was really my mom's influence more than anything that has um, that has perpetuated that throughout my life. But we need to remember others, um, that we need to have compassion for others. I, I love that idea. I think we need more justice warriors. <laughs> Yeah. So besides the Justice Warrior, can you share something interesting about you with the audience that people might not be aware? Sure. Um, at first, it went, it, when you were telling me I was you were going to ask this, I was thinking there is nothing interesting <laughs> that I can share. Oh, no. That's hard to believe. And my husband said, well, how about your lineage? And um, we have in our family, uh, I am a fifth generation Texan. So my family on my mother's side immigrated here before Texas, um, you know, before Texas became a republic. Mm -hmm. So that is, uh, Texans are such a different breed. And uh, and that is something that it's fun to know about. It's fun to know if we know precisely where they immigrated from and and into. And it was into the port of um, Galveston. And that particular um, ancestor, his name was John Power, happened to be one of the signers of the Texas Declaration. And where did they immigrate from? From Ireland. And I'm not going to, I should have been more prepared, but I can't remember the name of the county, but supposedly they made the best whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty amazing. Fifth generation. So how many years back does that put that? I I don't know precisely other than the fact that it puts us before um, uh, 1836. So you were in Texas. I'd have to go back and look. There's, you know, he's actually on a on a placard at the uh, Bob Bullock Texas State History Museum as one of the impresarios. So you, um, 
that that brought people over. You were in Texas before it became popular. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's pretty right. amazing. Well, Tracy, switching gears a little bit, can you share a little bit about your current organization? Sure. Green Careers Dallas is a nonprofit that I founded uh, a little over three years ago after watching a Netflix documentary called Catching the Sun. And that documentary inspired our work. We try, we've tried to um, emulate that to the best of our ability in the unique setting of Texas uh, that, that they are doing in Richmond, California. So Solar Richmond is the organization that was highlighted in the film that we are trying to emulate. And that is by doing solar installation training as a pathway to living wage work. And we're doing that in the parts of Dallas that suffer the highest rate of poverty. And that would be South Dallas Fair Park area and Southern Dallas. So we're just hoping to get a piece of that pie uh, that the solar industry is as it continues to grow to provide access to part of that uh, pie for the the low-income folks. that are qualified to enter the industry. And so the documentary is called Catching the Sun? Yes. And what was it about exactly? It, it had a, a few focuses, but basically on uh, Van Jones was highlighted. And at that time, he was President Obama's clean energy czar, mm-hmm. as far as I can recall. And he saw a great opportunity for what he coined as the green collar economy and wrote a book by that title of a beautiful intersection between um, this clean energy route that we must embrace to mitigate climate crisis and environmental and economic justice so that people who could enter that industry at this entry level of solar installation, of coming in as a solar installer, would allow people in these areas that exist throughout our nation. These pockets of town exist in every big city in our nation, and that is by design. That's past poor racist policy. And so all of these parts of town exist in, in every city in our country. And he saw that there was a way to bring access to that growth and that care for the earth in the same way to benefit the low-income community. So how do you go about reaching out to these communities? I found that uh, if we want to work in communities that are unlike the ones we were raised in, we have to get our feet on the ground. We have to, uh, I have to humble myself to learn about how life is different in the community, and I have to honor how People are all the same at the same time. So um, I have spent, you know, three and a half, almost four years just meeting community leaders, being in the community, visiting the high schools, going to community meetings. It's it's about, as a friend of mine at Four Oak Cliff, he's the um, executive director there at Four Oak Cliff, Taylor Toyne says, it's about proximity. So. We can't swoop in as some sort of savior. We have to go in and see if if this is needed and wanted and a good fit for the community. And so it's getting your feet on the ground. And how has the reception been in the last three years? Uh, I think that when 
middle class or upper class white people show up in African-American communities or poor communities in general, there are certainly poor communities that are not African-American, but South Dallas Fair Park happens to be about 82% African-American, that there is uh, suspicion and we have to earn trust if we're going to work there. And earning trust is showing up, and doing what you say you're gonna do and, and working with integrity, um, honesty, again, humility in those neighborhoods. And so that's um, what I've tried to, that's how I've tried to approach that. And so can you like explain in detail, do you have a, a pathway or a syllabus that you use to bring these individuals into the solar um, economy? Sure. Um, so our trainers are both trained at Solar Energy International, which is a wonderful training program, an international training program out of Colorado. And we licensed their curriculum and our trainers but went through their training. We, we're not working in that way in their typical pattern. Their typical pattern is that they would work with an educational institute, but they know the work we're trying to do and embrace that. And my co-founder, Michael Fladmark, works very closely with them, has done all of his training there as a NABCEP certified installer. And uh, so they've allowed our trainers to take that, condense it into a shorter time. That, that first class, Solar Energy 101, is basically a 100-hour class. And um, Mark McCollum, our other trainer, he has done a lot of corporate training. And so he was able to condense that down to about 36 hours of classroom and hands-on training that um, does not give folks the, the NAVSEP associate uh, certification, but it's more than enough to get started in the industry. And right now, employers in the Dallas area uh, for an entry-level installer are not really interested in that certification yet. So they do that condensed version of the class based on that uh, SEI, the Solar Energy International curriculum, plus the Solar Energy International online safety. Uh, it's a solar-specific safety training 12-hour um, class. But they, the SEI worked hand-in-hand -hand with OSHA to produce for the solar industry. So I don't want to guess. So I'm going to ask, is this on top of college or is this a trade separate from college? A trade separate from college right now. So Dallas County Community College District at their Eastfield campus used to have solar installation training and it was a much longer program and it was leading to the NABSEP associate degree, but they found that they couldn't get people hired after that. And um, this is a based on a conversation I've had with the workforce being there. They have uh, much more luck getting people hired from other study programs. So they abandoned this about three years ago. And I think they were just ahead of the, ahead of the curve of the growth of the industry in the Dallas area. That's interesting. So essentially you're giving these individuals another pathway to a career. Yes, and, and quicker. So what we found in working with people who 
are either raised in generational poverty or find themselves living in poverty now, that something like a full semester program or a two-year program, it's just too long. They need to get to work. They need to get to work as soon as possible. So that's our goal is to try to create a quicker entry path into the industry. And then we partner with uh, SkillQuest to provide some soft skills, training, and support through case management as well, because they, they, need, they need that support. It sounds like you're doing some pretty significant work. The people that you're dealing with, you know, we talked earlier about building trust, but what are some of the results they've seen after being in the program? Some people have decided to go into other work that, oddly enough, that we, you know, have connected them to through our other partners, which is great. Um, And that just tells me the solar industry wasn't right for them or not right for them at that time. Uh, We've also had uh, several of our formerly incarcerated folks or um, returning citizens uh, that have connected to the industry and are doing really well. And it's exciting because we've seen the labor market tighten up since we first formed. Our first training was in April of 2017. At that time, employers were exclusively hiring installers on a 1099 contract basis. Now, all but one of the employers we work with is they are all offering W-2 full-time employment with health insurance and 401k retirement benefits. And that's really life-changing for people who don't have access to that kind of security and stability. I'm sure it can be life-changing. You know, you mentioned incarcerated individuals, and a good friend of mine is um, part of the PEP, Prisoner Entrepreneurship Program. Are you familiar with that? I am not. It's exciting. So so he's a... I'm going to use the word mentor, and I believe it's once a month, if not more often, where him and a group of individuals actually go to different prisons and they have actually an entrepreneurial or entrepreneurship competition for inmates and they do business plans. And I'm going to use the word shark tank, but just think something along those lines Mm -hmm. where they judge the business plans and there's actually opportunity for the incarcerated individuals when they come out to actually start a business of their own. That's wonderful and exciting. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a really good program, and I've you know been a fan of his for quite a while. Maybe I'll connect you guys after we get done with the show. That sounds wonderful, because one of the organizations that we work to recruit from is Miles of Freedom. Richard Miles, who founded uh, that program with a friend of his, Aubrey Jones, who has now passed away, they were both uh, falsely incarcerated. Richard was falsely incarcerated for 15 years and he works specifically with the Coalfield unit. And I'd love to find out if those two organizations happen to be working in the same place absolutely. and benefit from knowing each other. I'll absolutely um, connect you with him. Wonderful. So changing gears a little bit, one of the things I like to explore with my guests is, you know, there's a, a, a great book by Simon Sinek about why. And I really want to dig deep. You kind of mentioned earlier, you know, being a justice warrior, mm-hmm. but... Have you explored, like, what, why, what, what drives you to do this? I believe or feel, I mean, it's just a part of me that connection is vital. And 
I, in any aspect of my life, have not been able to function if I'm not connected, whether that's motherhood or marriage or work, anything. And connection is just vital to me. And as a Dallasite, I have long roots here as well. Both my grandfather and my mother were born and raised in Dallas, and I was born in Dallas. And I want us to belong to our whole city and be connected to each other. That's where um, peace comes from. And that's where growth and um, the real rich part of life comes from being connected. So that's my why. I want to be connected to my whole city. And after I watched the film Catching the Sun, and it was probably three days later, I happened to be at a luncheon called Zip Code Connection, where uh, the United Methodist Church had focused on where are the most impoverished zip codes in in the North Texas Annual Conference. So one of those they identified the worst poverty in an urban setting and the worst poverty in a rural setting. The worst poverty in an urban setting was 10 minutes away from me. I'm sitting in, you know, relative affluence of of East Dallas and 10 minutes away from me is the, the worst urban poverty in North Texas in South Dallas Fair Park. And to me, that was um, pointed me in the right direction. These are my neighbors. This is close to my home. This is where I should try to do this work. So if I'm hearing you correctly, I'm just going to tease this out of what you said. It's almost like connection is your calling. Yes. Yes. That That's that's really amazing. You know, I've had this conversation with numerous individuals recently, especially in light of some of the issues that have come, you know, come up regarding technology and sometimes, you know, the isolation around technology. And I, and I feel like I feel like I'm hearing voices like yours more and more frequently, and it could be potentially because that's what I'm looking for, <laughs> but in the sense that I feel that there's more conversations or the conversations around true connection are getting louder once again. I, I feel like I feel like um, perhaps we slipped away from that for a while, and now we're feeling some of the results. And so people like you and others are making these, you know, these opportunities or these, they're, they're stepping in a direction towards connection again. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't feel like as human beings that we can be fully who we are without connection to others. It helps us get to a place we can't get to in isolation. I, I strongly agree with you. Mm-hmm. So going back to your program for a minute, yes. do you have any superstars or some shining examples that have gone through the program and perhaps now working in the solar industry? Yes. Uh, one of our one of our returning citizens pops to mind. And we were fortunate enough, my husband and I installed solar on our home in August. And we waited until then because our most recent hands-on class was at the end of July. And we wanted to have some of these trainees have the opportunity to, you know, get their feet wet, so to speak, with installation on our home. And um, our installation company is Sunshine Renewable Solutions. And the owner of that business happens to be our nephew. And he was willing to take three people from the class and basically lead this crew through the installation process. We were in our wildest dreams, really just hoping to get 
one person on an installation. And so we were so grateful that he was willing to take three people because as you can imagine, that slows the process down and time is money. So we were very grateful for his generosity of time and, uh, and spirit to lead them through that. And uh, one of those people um, has been out for about 20 months at that time. He had um, been incarcerated for 36 years. And I've never seen anybody with more drive uh, to create a good life for himself. And he is now working with one of the installers who came to visit our class. We had a different installation company come each day of the five days of training and, and help our trainees understand what employers are looking for and what could give them a leg up when they interview and when they go to work for somebody. So that's really exciting. Yeah, he's working. I, I really like the term returning citizen. Me too. I was introduced to that a few weeks ago uh, by Miles of Freedom, that organization. I think it has so much dignity to it. Yes. If we really believe people have paid their debt to society, then they are returning to society. And it does. It has uh, respect included. In it, it, it really does. And as you were speaking about the installation you had last fall, first of all, how did it go? It went great. Uh, lessons learned on our part as homeowners. Uh, we did not file our paperwork in the proper order for our homeowners association, and <laughs> they held our feet to the fire on that. So we had to move our panels from the front of our house to the back, and um, that. It, it, but for our, for our folks, I mean, to get on the roof in August and do installation as your first time out uh, was. You know, we were really proud of them. And this this one man I was referring to, Eddie, uh, I just describe him as a beast on the roof. He he was the oldest of everybody and did and he was the last man standing at the end of every day. So um, we're just really happy for him. That's quite amazing. You know, as you were speaking about the installation, my entrepreneurial wheels in my head started turning. And I'm just thinking about all the future opportunities that your program can help with. I had a conversation recently with a gentleman, you know, we were talking about uh, renovations, for for example, power generators, battery packs, et cetera, that some of the older homes are going to perhaps need going forward, or even when it comes to new home construction, some of the power needs that are going to change over time. And there might be opportunities there for, you know, people in your program. Absolutely. And what we're really looking for are entry level type positions that people can get into relatively quickly. So we're certainly open to learning more. And I can almost imagine someone like Eddie who gets a couple of years experience under his belt being able to run an entire crew. Possibly. And I think that's the thing. As you know, entrepreneurs are just a different breed. I was raised by two entrepreneurs. Fortunately or unfortunately, I married one. And we just, and founding a nonprofit, I have discovered is, oh my gosh, as much as I thought I was running the other direction from entrepreneurialism, <laughs> I ran right into it. It's basically the same thing when you're founding a, a nonprofit. And um, so we, we certainly see as people go through training, as in any group or situation, you're going to see people that have uh, 
ability to kind of bring people together or people who have that sales ability. And so those natural aptitudes and people that just show themselves and, and they're certainly, you know, those, those people certainly will come through as they are in every group. Well, I look forward to seeing your program have super success. Before we go, there's a question I'd like to ask is if you could give some advice to the audience, what would it be? The first things that come to mind are be humble, be willing to be open and recognize what you don't know and learn. That's it's one of the hashtags I use all the time is learning all the time. I don't see a time in my life where that will ever stop. Stay curious, stay open, stay humble. Well, Tracy, I think that's a beautiful place to stop. Stay humble, keep learning. I think those are, that's wonderful advice, and hopefully everyone can use that. Are there any other last words you have for the audience? I don't think so. I just greatly appreciate this opportunity and your time. Tracy, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I look forward to catching up with you again and seeing how your program is doing. Wonderful. Thank you.